Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment. We are at episode 182, and we have back with us a very special guest, Pastor Chris Brooks, the lead pastor of Woodside Bible Church here in the uh, southeastern Michigan uh, uh, area. And Chris, thanks for coming back and spending time with us today. Yeah, thank you. And it's great to be a part of uh, this wonderful podcast. You do a great job. Thank you, Chris. Uh, our co-host, Jim Wiegand, I'm sure you guys uh, already missed not hearing his voice. He is uh, out today. And uh, he'll be with us uh, uh, in the next episode. So uh, I'm uh, I'm flying solo here today with Chris. Uh, it's a couple of months ago, I think it might have been three months ago, I was yeah. in your office with another leader. And uh, we were talking about, I don't know, I, I can't even remember exactly everything we were talking about. But you mentioned something just off the cuff that really caught my attention. You uh, you mentioned three levels of community involvement, and uh, uh, and isn't it weird sometimes where somebody just says something like as an yeah. aside, it wasn't even sure. the main part of the conversation, but it just really stuck with you, and it really stuck with me because as I heard you unpack those three levels of community involvement, I thought, wow, how many of the pastors that we care for and help would benefit from just listening to that that little blurb of that conversation. I think it would, and I thought in the moment it would be tremendously impactful. And so I wanted to have you on the podcast to to really talk with us and explore this, this idea of three levels of community involvement. And Chris, would you tell us what those three levels are? And then yeah. let's just kind of dive into each one. Yeah, so first I want to say that one of the things I appreciate most about you is that you're a connector and uh, we all need relationships. And as I think back to that conversation, it was all about partnershiping. Uh, oh, that's how can great. we work together more cooperatively to be able to advance God's kingdom? And is it an amazing what can happen when we're not worried about who gets the credit, when it really is about the kingdom as opposed to our own little chiefdoms and building our, our own reputations. And so uh, I, I've loved uh, being in a relationship with you for that and many other reasons. But yeah, in the midst of that conversation, we talked about community engagement, community involvement. And that's been a passion of my heart for 30 years of ministry now. And uh, I've been able to figure out some things that have worked and some things that haven't. But when you think about <clears throat> community engagement, we should think about it on one of three three levels. Now, let me just say as a preface to this, this is not a value statement. This is not okay. to say that one level is better than the other. It's just okay. important to understand the difference. So the first is community service. So that's the first level. Second is community development. And then third is community empowerment. So those are the three, community service, community development, and community empowerment. I think most people will be familiar with the term community development. So often everything falls up under that umbrella, but it really is unique and distinct from the other two. Okay. 
So Chris, what, why don't we just dive into that first uh, level community service? Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how that works and what that looks like. Yeah, community service is uh, what many of us find ourselves doing, and that is um, resource distribution. It is us giving to the community resources that they uh, that they lack or that they need. A lot of us are serving in under-resourced communities, or to put it in a different way, a lot every single one of us are serving in communities that have under-resourced areas. So maybe yeah. there are kids who need backpacks. Maybe there are homeless people that need homeless kids. Maybe there are families that are facing food insecurity that need uh, food. Uh, so the distribution of resources is typically what community service looks like. And so being able to mobilize our people to say, we're going to do a backpack drive for back to school or being able to mobilize our people and saying that we're going to distribute meals um, is, is uh, again, what are Christmas gifts or mm -hmm. Thanksgiving boxes at Thanksgiving time. All of that would fall up under community service. And it's a huge blessing for the community. Okay. So talk to, to me then about community development. Yeah. So community service, going back to that, is really good, but it does not move the needle typically for moving someone from dependency to self-sufficiency. So if yeah. the goal ultimately is to get a person from depending on the government for handouts or depending on us for handouts, then we got to move beyond community service. Sadly, so often we've been content as the church to say, well, this person's not maybe, um, let, let me put it a different way. Uh, we've often been content telling a one-sided story that celebrates how much stuff we gave away without evaluating whether or not that moved the needle for someone else. Yeah. So I've given out hundreds of backpacks. We've given out um, hundreds of boxes of turkey for Thanksgiving and all those things. And we celebrate those things, and that is great for us to do. But if we ask ourselves, does this person still have those needs? Probably. Um, what I found in, in our ministry is that for years and years and years, the same people we helped the year previously were the same people who were coming back year over year. So what community development then says is let's move from resource distribution to program development or even institution development, that there needs to be programs and institutions that do things like workforce preparation. How do we help people get prepared for a job? How do we help people get prepared for housing? So there, there could be a housing program that helps people uh, with affordable housing, educational programs like after-school programs. So the difference between community service, which is just resource distribution and community development is that now we have programs, we have institutions, we have initiatives that are designed to fill gaps in the social welfare of the community we're trying to serve. And Chris, as you unpack that level, um, uh, I can I can hear 
or feel maybe some of our listeners and watchers thinking, wow, that, that seems like a lot, like that seems like a big leap for us. I, I would say the majority of our listeners and, and watchers are involved in community service at some level. Yes, which is great. And how, how do you make that 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 yeah. transition into that into yeah. that uh, level of development? I, I love it. Yeah, I think there's two ways. Number one, survey your congregation and see who is already in your church that may be doing some of this work. So, for example, mm-hmm. preparing people for housing can be as simple as saying, "Hey, can I get the real estate and mortgage professionals?" in my church to put on workshops, to commit to doing financial education, right? So surveying there, uh, maybe you got some HR professionals in your church, two or three who say, yeah, we could put on workshops for workforce development. How do you apply for a job? How do you dress for an interview? How do you, um, you know, um, make sure you get the job? All of these things can be a part of, uh, of, of community development. But the other way of doing community development is through partnerships. Okay. Most community organizations that already exist are looking for and desires of partners. And so uh, part of what we would do is to say, what organizations could we align ourselves with and let's partner with them. So for example, if there's a literacy program or organization in your community that's teaching kids reading skills. Maybe you say to them, hey, would you mind offering your program at our church for our community one to two nights a week where we become a site for your literacy program? Or maybe there is a, again, fatherhood initiative that um, is happening in your community that you can bring to your site. So, Uh, Don't feel the pressure that you have to create every new initiative or create every new program. Um, If if you have those types of resources in your church, great. But if not, leverage partnerships that are already there in your community. That's so good. As you were uh, sharing that, I was thinking, let's not reinvent the wheel, right? Let's. Yes. Um, and I and I think that's some of the pressure a leader might feel like I've got to create this thing. I yes. um, and I love the idea of utilizing the skills that you have resident within the church and and reaching out to community organizations that are already doing some of these wonderful things and figuring out how can we work together, how can we partner. And I think that takes so much pressure off you yeah. as a pastor. And not if have I to could, think all this stuff up. If I could recommend uh, just two tools that are really sure. helpful. There's an organization called Made to Flourish. Made to Flourish. And they have a tool. It's about a $500 assessment, if they will, if you will. But they will help you to do a survey of your church, no matter the size, uh, to create a database that lets you know and track where uh, occupationally your church is. So it'll list for you, here are all the teachers in your church. Here are all the engineers in your church. Here are all the doctors or whatever the case may be by name. And that really helps with outreach because some outreaches, you may say, man, I need 
you know, um, some some folks who can do uh, carpentry work, right? We're, we're going to do some carpentry work. It's nice to be able to have that database to go in and say, here are all the people in my church that do that type of work. So I would say that that's a very important resource. And then there's also organizations that will help you to do what's known as community asset mapping. And community asset mapping is just a way of you being able to say what already exists in our community so that we can know who to partner with, who's already out there. Well, that's perfect. So can you give me those two resources again, Chris? Yes, Made to Flourish. Made okay. to Flourish. They can do the congregational assessment. And typically, if you go to your local chamber of commerce, they can help you with the asset mapping for who's already in your community, both for-profit and non-profit. That's so helpful. Thank you for that. You know, Chris, one of the thoughts that as I've been reflecting on these three, uh, we're going to talk about, well, you know what? I'm going to ask you that later. Let's talk about okay. a community empowerment because, uh, but I do have a question yeah. about the leadership piece that's required to move yes. in these levels, but let's, let's come back to community empowerment. What's that? What does that look like? Yeah. So typically, and this is something we've seen in missions globally, typically when we come into a community as a church and we start programs and initiatives, it's our people who run those programs and initiatives, and they aren't always from the community uh, that we're serving. Uh, For years and years and years, I pastored a church where about 50% of our church family drove into our community from other communities. And there's nothing wrong with that. They had a great heart to serve, and and that's wonderful. But the difference between community development and community uh, empowerment is who owns the program, who leads the program. And ultimately, what you want to do in community empowerment is to raise up indigenous leaders that are living in that context, living in that community, that you turn ownership of the part of the program over to where you're not running it as an outsider for them but ultimately they're empowered to run it themselves and have a sense of self-determination because nobody's going to know their community like they will right when we look at the people who are in need as more than just mouths that consume but minds that create uh Mm. it, it helps us to see them as a solution and not just a problem. So we're not going into communities thinking there are no assets here. There are no leaders here. God has never moved here and we're here to fix it or we're here to bring Jesus uh, for the first time to the community. What we're doing is going into community saying, God has already been at work. We get a chance to discover where he's been at work and to be a catalyst for being able to spur that work on and hopefully uh, invest in and train up leaders. Now, sometimes that means a long-term commitment. We have friends like um, like John Gunn, you know, who mm-hmm. adopted the city of Pontiac and r- has literally over decades raised up a pipeline of leaders from childhood all the way up to adulthood. Sometimes it takes that. Other times there are natural leaders that are there that you can say, 
we can support their program instead of having to create our own. Or if we've already created one, we can invite them in to lead it. So it's led by indigenous people that are already a part of the community. That's so good. Um, you know, Chris, I, I'm wondering, and this isn't one of the questions that I had sent to you ahead of, in ahead of time. So please forgive me in advance. Um, yeah. Is it, is it always the goal to move? Because as you talk about it, I know that you're yeah. not marginalizing any of these three no. areas at all. But I, it almost sounds to me, and, and, and if I'm not thinking about this right, please correct me, that that there is almost a growth to this that where the, the, the logical end or the desired end, maybe is a better phrase, Yes. Is community empowerment? Am I thinking incorrectly about that? Or no, I, I, I think either? I think you're I think you're spot on. Wherever possible, that yeah. is what you're ultimately hoping for is to not create. And this is this is there's so much we could talk about here, but this is one of the problems that we face in community development, both globally and domestically, is that. Uh, the, the moving from development to empowerment is hard mm. because typically when you're in a development stage, you have programs and initiatives that you're fundraising for. You hire staff. And so now you feel this obligation to say, man, we got staff, we got programs here, and it almost takes on a life of itself. And you forget that the goal was ultimately the empowerment of the community and now it becomes the maintenance of the machine. And yeah. so I would just simply say that going into any community, we need to be clear on what the goals are up front. Number one, the goal is to move people from dependency to self-sufficiency. Number two, the goal is to move people from um, um, receiving resources to actually owning their responsibility for their own community. Uh, so ownership, right? And so if I know that the goal is to move them to ownership and self-determination, then everything in our plan is moving towards that. I'm almost working my way out of a job and defining yeah. success that way. And I'm wondering if that is the, you know, that kind of helps with the machine aspect that you do, that you talked about. Hey, we're going to set, we're setting expectations right out of the gate yes that, yeah at some point in this process we probably will have some staff and we probably but the end goal is is empowerment yes and we yes. want you to understand that going in yeah and one, and one book that i would just recommend there's a lot of great books on this but certainly when helping arts uh many have heard this book before but uh it is a great book um, that um, really speaks to how to properly serve a community. When Helping Hurts, Brian Fickard uh, okay. is the last name of the author. And uh, Brian's an economist who did a lot of evaluation on the way that we engage communities. And what he ultimately discovered is that most of our work is not moving people from dependency to self-reliance. And so it's a different way of measuring. So it really causes us to begin to ask questions like, how many people no longer need us? 
as a more determining factor of success than how many people are we servicing. Mm -hmm. So when helping hurts is a great Mm -hmm. handbook. I love it. You know, when we coach pastors, Chris, you know, it's our intention not to uh, prescribe um, as we believe that the, the expertise is there, the knowledge is there, yeah. and our goal as a coach is is to help draw that out. And what we've noticed when we approach helping that way, the confidence level of the, the leaders that we are helping just grows. They, they realize, man, I know more than I really ever <laughs> thought I knew. That's right. That's and, right. Uh, and and so I love that whole thought process, um, and and I would imagine in community empowerment that same dynamic happens where people start to get this yeah. confidence, like man, I do have more inside of me than I ever realized I did. Yeah, I mean, I got a three-year-old daughter who happily I will um, help. Uh, to feed her or hold her or help her to climb up into a chair. I don't do that with my teenagers. And uh, my mom certainly doesn't do that with me. So part of what we want is as people grow, right, uh, we want to be able to celebrate that growth by saying, I no longer need to do certain things for you because you can do it yourself. Maybe early on in a relationship, it's highly appropriate to do certain things for people. And a lot of that comes back to assessment, but the longer you're involved in the community, hopefully what you're seeing is they need me less. That's a healthy thing. Yeah. So Chris, that's just so helpful. And I, I I feel like you've given us a, like a vision for this, uh, to think about this in a much broader and, 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 complete way. I have one more question for you because we are button up against time here. Um, I'm wondering, Chris, what kind of leadership development within a congregation needs to happen for a church to make progress in these three areas of, of uh, community involvement? Uh, is there is there something to be um, considered there? Yeah, I think that Jesus, if we look at the model of ministry that Jesus developed, he spent three and a half years developing a group of disciples who ultimately he was going to entrust the ministry to and then gave them the charge to go do the same, to Mm -hmm. find and raise up disciples that they would pour themselves into so they can turn ministry over to them and it would spread. And so I think in our leadership development, we um, need to uh, have as a goal this whole thought of multi-generational discipleship making. And I see discipleship and leadership development as synonymous, one and the same. And I think that we, we should be developing this mindset, cultivating this heart that I am walking with you in hopes of being able to entrust to you leadership and that you should be striving to do the same walk with someone that you can entrust leadership to. And as we think about our communities, that's the goal there too. Yeah. And as I look back on decades of ministry, that's the most satisfying ministry to me. Yes. Is when, is when I see 
people that I've been working with, people that I've been helping take ownership. And, yeah. and they don't they don't really need me anymore. And they've figured it out and it's their baby yeah. now. Um yes. I've gotten the most joy, I think, out of out of that. So Chris, um, I want to just say thank you again for carving out time to be with us. I, I realize uh schedule that you keep and uh you know you're in demand and I'm so honored that you would carve out time uh, to be with us in episode 181 and now uh, in episode 182. God bless you. Thank you so much for uh, your heart and uh, your willingness to uh, spend some time with me. Thanks for being my friend. And, uh, you know, we wish you well in the days and weeks ahead. Yeah, well, love and appreciate you. And it's an honor to be with you as well, man. Anytime. All right. Thanks, Chris. And if you're listening or watching today and you'd like to reach out to learn more uh, about what we've been talking about today, you can reach us at convergecoach.com and go to the contact us link. Uh, fill out a simple form and submit it. And somebody from our team will reach out to you uh, to have a conversation. So God bless you, our listeners and watchers. We love you. We appreciate what you do for a living. And we're rooting and cheering for you as you continue to lead from alignment.